Hello world, huh? The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen anything like that? The wait is over for Canadian fans, and the dream is now a reality for Brooke Henderson. And Corey Connors' day indeed has arrived. He's a winner on the PGA Tour. A clutch up and down for Mackenzie Hughes. Oh, my goodness. Time for... The Golf Show with Brent Gunning and Sam McKee. Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I gotta say, I just love that intro. You have all the great names in Canadian golf, and ours are in there for some reason. Oh, right, it's because we host the show Golf Show with you here. We'll be here with you until the next hour, or this hour is up. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee alongside me. You're going to have our buddy Jason Logan join us today a little bit. Kick around uh, the top 59 public courses in Canada. Of course, the lovely folks at Score Golf are uh, in the process of unveiling that list right now. But uh, we've got a couple of big leads. Uh, one we'll, we'll get to a little later on. Uh, that's Canadians having a good week in Blaine, Minnesota. Anytime you can talk about Canada. I feel like if Canadians were going to have a good week in the States, somewhere in Minnesota is like a pretty good spot. It's like a good cultural <laughs> fit for us. Uh, so we'll dive into that at the 3M Open a little later on. But got to start with the major last week. Uh, it's always exciting when you, when you get a major, uh, last one of the year, maybe a less, less exciting than sad. So uh, we'll have to go a while without major golf. We have some great golf ahead of us. We've got to look back at the 149th Open Championship, won by Colin Morikawa, calling it the British Open in front of all the fans, not caring at all. What a performance from the kid. Uh, we'll, we'll start singing his praises before we start kicking around uh, what we expect for him in the future or how he compares to some of the other kind of young stars right now. But McKee, I know you were incredibly impressed with what we saw from Morikawa last week. And I guess I should say, how you doing? Boy, I did a lot of talking off the top today. Hey, it's okay, man. It's I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping in again. I'm like that starter who's like, okay, you played here before? And you're like, yep, played here a hundred times. Okay, so there's a burn about 190 down the left. Okay. I was that guy, okay. so I'm sorry. McKee, floor is yours. Now, okay, now you gave me a, a little catnip there. So first thing, um, spectacular morning here in Toronto. So if you're on your way to the golf course now, if you're if you're going to get out there, I think before noon today, you're going to have a really nice morning. But this afternoon, not looking great weather-wise. So if you can rush out there and get 9 in, get 18 in this lovely Saturday morning, that'd be good. The starter thing. This is a great little quick conversation to have, okay? <laughs> we didn't say that we'd talk about it, but <clears throat> I, I, when I was in Kelowna, I played this course called The Rise, which is uh, designed by Fred Couples. It's a really quirky course, basically on top of a mountain in, in Kelowna, and it, it was an unbelievable course, really great experience. But the starter there went on lo the longest diatribe like, I've ever, <laughs> like, just went on and on. It basically was like, guys don't hit any drivers. He's like, you're not even going to want to hit a driver out here. And he's like, yeah, the water, everything breaks to the which water. Which is what it's guys want to hear at a fun place called The Rise, yes. which is exactly and what the place, we want to hear. Yeah, it's eight dudes on a wedding, like going out, <laughs> drinking beers, having a great time, and he's just like, no drivers. And for like the first six holes, we were listening. We're like, oh, I guess we shouldn't hit driver here. The starter said so. And then as we got a little more sufficiently greased, we're like, you know what? Time to pull out the driver. Yeah. And it just... I don't understand why these starters 
kind of have like this long drawn out thing like i get it sure cart path only on hole six and eight you know uh there's some water that you can't see on the left on this hole okay have a great day fellas so a note to all starters you don't need to give me your life story you don't need to give me the all the history of the course just say have a good time beer cart will be around that's all i really need i will there. say though that's I, my that's I, my I, uh, we're, we're talking about starters now, and uh, again, we're going to dive into the top 59 uh, public courses in Canada, of which I believe uh, Sagan Valley is one. I, I played it a couple mm. years ago, and it is one of these courses. Stanley Thompson would have loved it. Every green feels, feels elevated by about 50 yards, and he told us at the beginning of the day, no matter how close you are, take the extra club. Like, no matter, like you think you're, yeah, this is just a little 56 take your 52 like whatever it is and that's we, good advice yeah and guess what the boys didn't listen same thing it was like boys two step oh what am i gonna do i don't need to hit that much club from here and then as we saw about 87 balls come rolling off the front of the green back to our feet we said yeah maybe yeah. uh maybe time to listen to this guy and take the extra club so don't don't throw it all away but uh yeah maybe look here's the thing it's like it's like a stand-up routine we want it tight just like all the best bits in yeah. there if it's a good short and tight sweet baby minute, Exactly. Uh, wow. Uh, who, who knew that's where we started? I loved it. Also, uh, we, we did want to kick this around. Uh, hit us up on the text line, 590-590. Include your name and location. You know, most of us, uh, you know, we're out there at our kind of regular courses. Maybe it's a local muni. Maybe it's a local public course you get to play. But every once in a while, you know, maybe you splurge for it. Maybe you get an invite from a buddy who's got some pull. And you find yourself at a nice swanky course. And the first thought mm. going through your head is, they know I don't belong here. I have imposter syndrome. What's going on? They know. And then, then you start to pick up on a few things. Oh, boy, this clubhouse is exceedingly nice. Oh, look at these fluffed and folded towels. Oh, maybe there's a, maybe there's a timepiece outside. So what is it about a course that when you're, when you're at a course that's maybe a little nicer than the ones you normally play, what is the biggest signifier to you? Uh, McKee and I both have one that we share. Uh, we'll we'll uh, hit you up with that a little later on in the show. We got sidetracked. We are supposed to be talking about the Open Championship here, but that's my okay. starter rant was too good. Colin Morikawa. I mean, the thing that I think maybe most people who were watching that last week who watch as much golf as – and because, look, I watch as much golf as anyone. And even I, for the first two days, or for the first, I guess it would have been round two and round three, the first 50 times you hear, oh, he's, a, he's as good an iron player as Tiger Woods. Like, the first – number of times you hear that I reflectively wince because it's the same thing we do in every sport a guy can't just be great he has to be one of the greatest of all time or on the track to be that mm -hmm. and that was where I started to go that's where I started the weekend at with Morikawa of oh just let him be him don't compare him to Tiger but it's it's true <laughs> his ability to hit the irons. He is not going to throw a dart to within two feet every time, but he is going to throw it to within two yards of the yardage he wants. Like it might be a little left, might be a little right, but if he wants to hit it 132, it's going 132. If he wants to hit it 177, it's going 177. And that's the, that's the skill of his that I just feel like sets him up, maybe not to be dominant, but to be so good and in the mix for so long. Definitely. And... Like you were talking about the the yardages, and that's always what gets me with him whenever I'm watching him, because him and his caddy, I think it's JJ, right? JJ. Him and his caddy, they have these conversations that are just so obscene to me. 
when they're like, it'll be it'll be JJ like, yeah, this will be about one thirty four here. Is like, yeah, I like that one one thirty four, that one thirty four number. It's like, wow. Okay, so we're going down to the number. You know, when you go to your local muni and you're playing, and it's like, yeah, I got my got my Apple Watch on. I look at it, it says one twenty one twenty five. I'm like, I'm gonna try to hit this in the one twenty to one thirty range ish. Like, if I don't thin it or if I don't chunk it, that's how far this should go. And these guys are having just so dialed in to the exact numbers for how far his clubs go and how far he hits it and how far he know he has complete control over his irons and. I think the I think the the thing is about the comparing to Tiger, and you talked about this on Monday when we were on Good Show. But you know the reason people compare other guys to Tiger, like we had the the Royer McIlroy thing earlier, we had the Justin Spie- the Jordan Spieth thing earlier, it's because of the early career dominance, and it's not because of the actual game and the actual performances and the actual thing that he does. Like, look, Colin Morikawa's putting is not Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods putting was the best ever. Like that's why he what like he's just. His putting was obscenely good, and Colin Morikawa is not there. But the iron play is on par with Tiger Woods, and that's why we compare it to him because he has everything dialed in so beautifully. A couple of those shots he hit are just—it's just gross how well he hits his irons. Like it's just everything is on the face all the time. And when he putts, he wins, right? Like we've seen it. When he putts, he wins. He like he did it at Harding Park when he won the PGA Championship. He was hitting putts. He won. He when he was playing at was it the concession that he won at? Yep. Was that was, yeah? So the, that's an incredibly hard course. The iron play works. He gets it on the green. He putts. He wins. And then finally on Sunday at the at the Open, man, how many stones, clutch putts did he hit? The couple par putts that he made were even more clutch than the birdies. But it's just when he putts, he wins. And I I gotta say, I really am changing my trajectory for this guy when after watching him at the Open because I think the Open is one that. To win in your first start, it's just such a different thing. I know he went to the Scottish Open or uh, the Scottish, whatever yeah, it was, it was Scottish, like a couple yeah. weeks before. Yeah, the week before. And he was talking about how important that was for him, and it gave him a kind of an understanding of links golf. Okay, so you played four rounds, at, and it's like, now I get it? Like, that's not normal. It's not normal to go to your, you know, first ever Open and win it like that. So the fact that he figured that out, he has the feel, he has the touch, he has the brain to be able to figure out the Open – that really tells me that this guy's going to go on a run here. I, I'm just so thrilled with the place that golf is in. You look at these guys like Colin Morikawa, you know, jo- uh, you know John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, like, and then you start, t- like, the guys underneath, oh, 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 Ho-Hum, Justin Thomas, you know, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, like, the amount of stars playing great golf right now is unbelievable, and we get, we're going to get to see it in the FedEx Cup and, and the, the big tournaments coming up here, but... Man, oh man, it's in a great game, a great spot, and Colin Morikawa is a huge reason for that, Gunner. It's funny. I sometimes think guys, and this is this is not a golf thing. This is all sports where you like convince yourself that something has helped you more than it did. I was watching that Scottish Open. They got trees like all over that place. Not the linksiest of links courses, but it's like, hey, whatever it takes to get your mind right. You know, if I if I had to pump the brakes a little on this, and I don't want to, like I think this is going to be a guy who's going to win you know, another couple of majors in his career. But, you know, what did we spend the entire weekend talking about at the Open? It was, well, boy, this doesn't really feel like the Open. He won the 149th Open Championship, but he didn't win it in, you know, you know, 30 millimeters of rain. He didn't win it with wind blowing sideways. And again, not to take anything away from him, but I think when people think of, the, the things you have to deal with in winning the Open for the first time, it's all of those elements. So I, I'd be curious Definitely. to see 
how how we would handle those going forward. You know, you you talk about they how you're the, more. They bull- took the open to they took the open to Cabo. It was for, great uh, for a weekend. Yeah, it was and perfect weather. The the, the English there's, guys boy, with no tarps some, on, they loved it. I was gonna say, boy, were there some sunburns floating around that that place. You know, all those guys. You know, I don't know if this is a, a English thing or a European thing, but you notice way less hats. Like you mm-hmm. just notice, like when you when you're watching the, the the tournaments over there, guys are just like obviously there's guys wearing hats, but if you're watching a tournament in America, it's like a hundred percent of guys have hats on, and they're all wearing hats. And you look over there, and it's like they're sitting there just red face, no hat. I'm like, <laughs> should maybe like you have like a like look at I have a little bit of English in me here. Like I can be a little, I can get a pretty bad sunburn. Like I know what the pasty white guy thing. I tan well too, so I can't say too much. But like I know what the pasty white guy thing. I know how that works. Mix it a hat, guys, over there. Okay, I don't know if that's a and even like some of the, like Seam Marcel Seam was even wearing a hat for the first couple of days playing. It's like you're a psycho. Put on a hat. I, I, I can't imagine being in the sun for an extended period of time without wearing a hat. But anyways, I digress. There's like one guy in North America who doesn't wear a hat and we know him for it. All the Schneidergens. And yeah, I think I'm going to give you an actual answer to why I think the gallery wears less hats over there. I think it is very much see like in North America it's just a thing. Like you have a ball cap on all the time. Like you have your team, yeah. your baseball team, your heart. And it just <clears> feels like it's not as much of a, uh, you, you know, you'll wear your, you'll wear your hat to the match perhaps to show support oh. wear it around on a Tuesday because not like me, I have a lid on uh, basically 20, 24 seven. The, the interesting thing with Morikawa that I find is kind of comparing him because he's now vaulted himself above all the other guys of his kind of generation. Like obviously he's, he's pushed himself past, uh, pushed himself past Wolf and Hovland, the guys he kind of came out with because oh, yeah. he's got the major. Now he has two, but he, you know, not, not to say that, not to say he's going to end up with more than all of these guys, more majors than Bryson, more majors than John Rahm, more majors than Justin Thomas. Like when you start to think of the guys, he now has more majors than. So let's just kind of let's let's just kind of we'll, we'll go one by one with each three of those guys. Mm. Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, who finishes their career with more majors. I'm going to say Colin Morikawa. I agree. I could see Bryson winning like three in the next three years or something along those lines, but there's no world to me where he's 40 grinding or whatever. No. And I mean, we've talked about this with John Rom Gunner, but I really think that Colin Morikawa's game is going to age gracefully and beautifully. I, I, it's just, it's so solid. And I mean, the drive, it's not about the driving. It's not about the swing. It's not about how hard he hits it. He just hits the ball in the fairway and then hits his irons on the face. And then, you know, here's the thing with putting too. Once you're kind of got the pressure off here, you've already got two majors. I know, like, going into the Masters, it's still going to be, like, the most pressure-packed situation. But you can look back on these experiences. You can look back on the fact that you've won two majors, that you've won tournaments, that you're looked upon as one of the guys, and kind of set yourself free in your mind and be like, hey, I can hit this putt, I can do that. So I think with the more tournaments he wins and the more success he has, the putting will get better because so much of it is mental. Right, Gunner? And it seems like the, the, the claw or the saw or whatever he's got going on, all the different grips he uses, I'm sure he'll grow out of that a little bit. I'm sure he won't stick with that forever, but I really feel like having early early career success is conducive to having good putting later in your career because it takes the pressure off having the success early in your career. So I think it's going to really, I think it's really going to, um, his game's going to age much more gracefully than, than, than Bryson. So I say he wins more majors than Bryson. Who's next? John Rahm. You just did it, so I'll, I'll continue right there. That's yeah, a tougher I th- one. No, or? I think I think Rom has I think Rom has more. 
I think Rom. I think Rom has more of the like. I look at Morikawa as more of a robot, as opposed to Rom, who kind of feels his way around a golf course and like has a. I think he has more like the better hands, the better feel, the more passion. I really feel like he's going to be a similar age gracefully guy in terms of his game. So I'm going to go with Rom. I think Rom's just a little greater than than Colin Morikawa. That's interesting. That that's such a tough one for me because I feel like Rom. I feel like Rom is kind of the best of both worlds of Morikawa and Bryson. Like I could easily see a year where Rom clips too. I think it's a little harder mm-hmm. for Morikawa to do that. I know he's had two in the yeah. last kind of calendar year, yeah. more or less, but that that's where I, I land out on that. And then this one is tough for me, and it just kind of clicked for me that he just has the one, but Justin Thomas. Now, he's older than Morikawa, which I suppose complicates things as well, but I feel like he might have the highest ceiling game of all three, if, of all these guys we're talking about here. Or are you a little down on him now? I'm, I'm, I mean, guess what? What have you done for me lately? And I like it, it hasn't been much, honestly. And, like... This is what's so like I was talking about. This is what's so great about golf. Colin Morikawa is the new hotness, buddy. Like he's <laughs> he like he's unbelievable, and he's just hot. And you know, Colin. Yeah, you know, I mean, sorry, Justin Thomas. Sure, he. When was that PGA? When was that PGA champion? Twenty seventeen. A while ago, I think it was twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen. So, yeah, like it's been a long time since he's won a major. I know he's kind of been contending in some of them, but like, has he really? I feel like it's been Colin Morikawa near the top of the leaderboard for a lot more majors than he's been in the last three or four years. So I, I'm going to say Colin Morikawa because he's got two in his first, what was it, eight starts in majors, yep. right? So I uh, I think it's hard to argue against the math there in terms of Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas. Like, look, Justin Thomas could go and have a year where he rips off a couple, like we said with Rom, but I really feel like Morikawa is going to finish with more than Justin Thomas, which is a crazy statement to say. Yeah, I think the thing that's kind of clouding this is that, and we've seen Justin Thomas have a spell like this. And again, I, I want to be so clear. Like, I think Borakow is one of the bright lights in this game, and this is not me poking mm. holes in what I expect of him. It's just me saying he's not going to get to, like, seven majors or, or something like that. It's like, there are a lot of players who, and I'll use, I'll use my guy just so you can jump all over me for it. If you took the mm. best... A thirteen-month stretch or eleven-month stretch of Rory McIlroy's career, and played seven majors during them, like you have with this stretch for for Colin Morikawa. Yeah, he he'd have a bunch too. Like it's it has worked. And again, the whole point of like luck is just taking advantage. Like you have to be able to take advantage of the breaks luck gives you. But it is not lost on me that as this guy has perfectly hit his stride in his professional career, it's like how about we play all the majors during this time as you're getting yourself perfectly acclimatized. I hope, I I would love nothing more than to see him kind of continue to just stamp this dominance and keep climbing and pull himself into a tie with Kepka. And that's where we'll kind of end this conversation on. Mm. You know, it feels right now like the sky's the limit for Morikawa majors. Brooks Kepka is four. Roy McIlroy, four. (laughs) You know, like it felt like those numbers would be so much higher. So if I set the over on under... At four and a half majors for Colin Morikawa for his career. In his so career? three more he needs to get over. What do you say? Over. 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 Because he's so young, man. And he's got to, like, it's to have the, it's special. What he's doing right now is special. And I know, like, the points that you make about the, the parameters for his two majors, look, those are both completely fair. The no fans at TPC Harding Park and the and the the Cabo like uh, conditions uh, in Sandwich England, which is what an amazing. Name. Name. I wish I was from Sandwich England, just so I could say I'm from Sandwich. But I think do those you are think fair, they have a signal? Like, do they? 
Do they have a signature sandwich? They better. Sandwich like the sandwich. Reuben? Um, the sandwich sandwich? The, so, I, listen. All those guys are playing. Everyone else is playing under the same conditions. All the big boys are playing under the same conditions. All those guys could have taken advantage of the conditions. I understand that. But Colin Morikawa did it best. I just think he's kind of special. I really think, like, I look at him and I feel like he's going to do something here where he's going to finish with maybe six majors. Like, I really could see that, just the way he hits his irons. He just doesn't get himself into trouble. The thing that gets him into trouble is the putting, and we've seen it in his two major wins that when the putting is on, he can he can play with anybody. So I really think that, like I've been talking about with the putting and the pressure and having a couple early wins, that has a lot to do with it. And I think he's going to be up in the sixth range by the time he's done his career. So, yes, over. I take the under. I think he lands at four. And I think it's just it, – I am just betting on everything I have seen from kind of all the guys who weren't Jack and Tiger before him. Like, we have just – we have been down this That's road fair. many a time. Jordan Spieth, right? Like, we would all – if we you take your time machine back to when Spieth grabs his second major, it's like we would all have expected that number to be at five or something like that right now. Like, it just mm. – it something always happens. Be it the swing goes squirrely, be it your life comes into it. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. McElroy's talking about how, you know, the life is very important to him, and that's what he's focused on right now, which is, you know, troubling for a guy like me to hear. But, hey, live your life the, the way you, you want to live it. But th- there's just all of these things. You know, we mentioned the putting. Yeah, he has weeks where it's really hot. But he could also just as easily miss a big putt down the stretch to win the Open Championship or win another major, and who knows what that does to, to a guy's kind of mental makeup. So I, it's not me. Sounds like you don't want him to pass Rory. No, no here, here's the thing. I would gladly see a guy take the reins, run with it, be the guy. Gladly. If it's Morikawa, I'm happy to have that be the case. It's just I remember Rory McIlroy as a young stud. And I remember Jordan Spieth as a young stud. And I remember Thomas. And yes, none of them ripped off the two quite like this, this young. But it just, it feels to me like we've just seen this movie so many more times. It's nothing, I can't sit here and tell you outside of the putting that there's a facet of his game that I think is going to hold him back or really hamper him or really hurt him. Because no. guess what? If he has a bad he's putting week, too many greens, man. Yeah, and he's going to be in the mix. He is going to be. Like, I, I firmly believe it. It's just, it's so tough to continually win these things. Like, think again, Phil Mickelson. For sure. One of the greats. Six. Can, can I ask you something? Yep. Is there any of those guys coming up that you were talking about with Morikawa? Like, you know, Jordan Spieth or um, Brooks Kepka or, Rom, you know, or Rory McIlroy. Like is there... Is there any skill that they have that's as good as Morikawa's iron play? I'd say that Rory McIlroy is as good a driver of the ball, but he has the ability to get more squirrely. That is the one, like, that is the one. And then Rom doesn't have the one skill. Spieth is kind of the opposite no. in that it's like it gets hot from time to time, but it's not consistent. Mm-hmm. And I don't – most people would roll their eyes at this, but, boy, you love a narrative. Brooks Kepka's skill, his ability to show up literally every time it matters, not always get it done, not always get it done, but to, to, to no, force your way into the fight every single time. He might not have his best. He might be hampered up on a bum knee and a bad leg, but he is going to force his way into the thick of it. So if like that is not a technical skill, but if you're looking at that, I'd say mm-hmm. that's the one thing that any of these guys has. But Kepka is like, 
I think six years older than Colin Morikawa. Like there's a there's a bit of an age yeah. gap there, and his body's been through uh, through a ton already. So yeah, I think it's interesting. I could easily see I could easily easily see Morikawa ending up with the most majors. I'm with you though. Rom is still the guy I'm most bullish on. I just think he has the more the more powerful game. Like there are just going to be a few courses that Morikawa is not going to be taken out of, but he's going to have to be so perfect. And that includes with the flat stick. And I just don't know that he has that. Whereas Rom, Rom just has the ability to kind of poke it down there a little more fight through a little of the heavier rough and stuff too. Qu- quickly before we get to the Canadians at the three M here, if Rom hit three pots all week, he mm-hmm. wins that tournament. Like every time they flashed to John Rom at the open, it was like, Oh, Rom with a 15-footer for birdie, and he couldn't figure it out. It feels like he never got a feel for the greens over there. Like, I know they were much slower than the tour The tour guys are used to, and even on, like, a macro level, like, when you play a course somewhere uh, when you're just out at your Muni and you play, and then you go play at a course where it's, like, a fast green or a slower green, that can really screw you up. And when you're used to playing PGA Tour greens in America that are probably the fastest anywhere, right? Like, they're lightning quick every week. To go over there and to play something that's really slow could screw you up, and it really felt like Rom never got that feel going. And if he had to hit one, like honestly, what did he? Where did he finish? Eleven under, twelve under? Like, there's so many putts that he could have had where he wakes up and he looks back and he's like, "Man, I easily could have won that tournament." I'm sure he thinks that to himself. Yep, he finished four back uh, in a tie for third with uh, the other guy yep. who always thinks, "If only I could have got it done." Uh, Louis Ustazen. Uh You, you mentioned. Ah, we don't need to crap on poor Louis. No. No, uh, he, look, he's here's just, the thing. He's, he's just a, a choker, man. A classic choker that you can't, there's nothing else you can say. He just chokes. He's they got the Grand Slams a second, and he's been in first for a lot of those majors for a lot of the time. It's too bad. I feel bad for him because he seems like a great guy. But he's just, he's in the world, he's a world-class choker, buddy. I'm sorry. It's what he you is. Know, you know who else is a great guy, but you don't feel bad for him ever? Rory McIlroy. Hmm. Shouldn't just uh, funny how you old Lewis care so much about, but you know, great, great sportsman of earth, yeah. Rory McElroy. You don't care at all about that. Uh, uh you mentioned yeah. the Canadians uh, having a week at the 3M Open. Adam Hadwin tied for first with Ryan Armour right now. Uh, if Hads is able, I mean, obviously, just a big weekend would help him out a lot in and of itself. This would be huge for Hadwin, get back in the winner's circle, kind of refine his form. For the longest time, he was our bright light, he was our guy, right? It's like, hey, Hadwin's down there, and he really quickly got lapped by by Hughes and Connors there on the men's side. Of course, Henderson's been been the bright light on the women's side for so long. But yeah. uh, if Hadwin's able to hold on and win, this would pump him up into 43rd in the FedEx Cup standings. That gets him into a playoff spot. Obviously, still some time left there. So this would be a massive, uh, massive week for Hadwin. And then I uh, also want to give a little love to the other Canadian, uh, Roger Sloan. He's tied for third, just one shot off the lead. It is a jammed leaderboard. So if, if you like chaos on the PGA Tour, excellent, excellent week for you Prestige. this is gonna be a minus 20 week oh big time already at minus 10 uh, it's only gonna get better who knows what the weather's yeah. like uh, in, in minnesota probably doesn't matter because it's probably gonna be uh, real low uh yeah i just uh, i think we both like to see a big weekend from hadwin kind of revolt himself into the picture of uh of canadian tour pros uh mckee we got to kick around these the uh, top 59 public courses in Canada. Our friends at Score Golf did that list. Uh, Jason Logan going to join us in just a, a couple of minutes' time, probably kick around the Olympics with them. They're starting up uh, next week for the men. And then we got to do our kicker. What lets you know you're in a course way too fancy for yourself? Hit us up on the text line, 590, 590. Please include your name and location. Uh, you're listening to the golf show on uh, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, or, of course, right here in Toronto on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Sportsnet 
Sam McKee alongside me for another half hour. And then after that, we don't go anywhere. We talk plenty more sports. We'll be here with you until noon, as we always are here on Sportsnet 590, the fan board. That song, what a weekend uh, it is. Yeah, what do you got, McKee? What do you got? That song reminds me of the Leafs, and then it made me sad. So, mm. See, I've blocked it out. Anytime I hear Arkells, I just go Nick Nurse and the Raps, which, hey, that also makes me sad, oh, too. Yeah, good so, call. Fun times in the city of Toronto. We could talk about the Blue Jays. <laughs> Oh, wait, they make us sad, too. Let's talk about golf, because golf makes us happy. And our buddy right now, Jason Logan, score golf. Uh, Jason, how are you doing this morning? Good, guys. How are you doing? Fired up, fired up. Always happy to talk the the one sport that doesn't make us sad. Oh, wait, unless we're playing it. And then sometimes it absolutely does that uh, as well. Uh, Always happy to have you on. You know, I love it when you guys do your list. I start salivating, whether it's the top 100 in Canada. You guys have got the top 59 Canadian public courses lists out now. Uh, Just can you, you know, I know know we've spoke to you about this before, but can you just kind of walk us through a little bit what the process of putting these lists together is like year in and year out? Obviously, you know, there are some tweaks, some changes changes every year and then i i guess a little wrinkle to that would be how difficult it was or maybe it wasn't to uh to grade uh courses during the pandemic yeah it's really an ongoing process um you know it never really stops we've got our course panelists uh the panel numbering 105 now that are out rating golf courses all the time and you know, I'll give them a deadline um, every year that's normally sort of late June and uh, or mid to late June, and that's when I'll collect the data. But, you know, they're just always out there. So in terms of, you know, the last couple of seasons with the pandemic and with uh, golf course closures for a time here in Ontario or reduced mobility, um, I think the important thing is that the data that compiles the top 59 or the top 100 last year, you know, dates back six seven years so it's not like i've all of the list is determined on you know the rankings over the last year um and then they're ranked on a variety of categories you know the design strategy uh challenge beauty conditioning fun factor the various pars of holes and then you know just all gets collected together and spits out a mean average and i you know, one of the biggest differences between the top 59 and the top 100, other than obviously the top 59 being restricted to public and resort courses, is um, to be eligible for this, you only need to have to have uh, seven rankings in the system as opposed to 10 for the top 100. So it does allow some public courses that might not otherwise be eligible for the top 100 to be eligible for this list. So there is some variety and gets a few more courses on the list. So... Yeah, I guess you kind of alluded to it there, uh, Jason. And uh, first of all, how do I get that job? Golf course ranker seems like a really great gig. Uh, Secondly, um, like when you're ranking the top 100 versus the top 59 public, I know there's the private in the 100 or whatever, but do you tell your rankers to sort of not take it easy, I guess isn't the question I'm looking for here, but in terms of like um, facilities and all that sort of stuff that with the public, do you do it sort of ranked with like, uh, I'm sorry, I should to figure out what I'm going to say here, rank it well, you know, I think I know with the, what with the yeah. facilities in mind and all that sort of stuff, or do you just look at it uh, pure course? 
it's pure course. The the evaluation form that they fill out online is the same for every single golf course. And it's probably the biggest misconception with our rankings is that we're rating clubs instead of rating courses. And there's a distinction between that because on our evaluation form, there is no place for how good the practice facility is or how impressive the clubhouse is or you know, how good the service is or, you know, your judgment of the atmosphere at the club. It, it is strictly a ranking of golf course architecture. And what I always tell the panelists is you are judging this golf course based on what you experience between the first tee and the 18th green. And so a lot of times, you know, if we get feedback, and of course we get a lot of feedback, it might say like, how in the heck is this golf course on your top 100 or top 59, it's got like a clubhouse that's falling apart and you can only hit six irons on the range. Well, that doesn't matter to us. It, it literally doesn't. It's only the golf course architecture and the experience of playing the golf course that we're judging. Oh, man, man after my own heart. You know, I do love, I do love a nice swanky uh, clubhouse or a beautiful range <laughs> facility, but I care about getting out there. I want to go play 18 or play nine or whatever I'm doing, sneak in a twilight. I, I, I like, I like the style there, Jason. And also I just, I, you know, we, I think it's really important that this list comes out because I think so often when people think of the top 100 courses, of, of course their mind immediately goes to Cabot. Of course it goes to Fairmont. You know, I, I want to stop listing before I offend somebody. We've got a ton of amazing courses in this country, but even you know someone like myself who's never been to either coast to play a little golf, my mind immediately goes there, and it feels to me like, a, a again, a list like this kind of hammers home how, to a certain extent, accessible, amazing golf can be. Well, and the other thing I would add to that is that, you know, right now we're doing a rollout, which became very popular last year with the top 100 when we tried it for the first time. And rather than just, you know, presenting the list as a whole, we counted it down in segments of 10 over the course of a few weeks. And we're doing the same thing this year where we're counting it down in groups of 15 over the course of four weeks. So there's a slow reveal process. But at the end of this all, and we've done this in the past couple top 59s too, we will unveil a top 59 ranking on value. And there is a lot of different courses on the value list than there is on the top 59 by rating list. I mean, Cabot Cliffs and Cabot Links are unassailable really when you come to public golf courses in this country. And I would say the same about a Jasper Park or a Banff Springs. But listen, those courses are hundreds of dollars to play. Not everybody, no matter how good the golf course is, is willing to shell out three, $400 to play a round of golf. And so we do the top 59 value rating, and there's a lot of great golf courses in this country accessible to the public that you can play for 65 $70, $80. And so honestly, that's kind of the list that I'm most proud to produce. Um, I guess it doesn't have the wow factor of the top 100 or even the top 59, so we kind of save it to the end. But um, when the magazine comes out and online on August 2nd, there will be a ranking of those top 59 best value courses. I love that, Jason. I really do. So of all the there's of all the ones that have been revealed so far, I'll put you on the spot. I mean, how many of these have you played, and what would be your favorite? Well, Jasper Park, um, which hasn't been revealed yet, but I mean, I'm not letting anything out of the bag here because might be high up there. That, eh? that golf course is yeah. always, you know, in the top ten, in the top 100, in the top five, the top 59. Uh, that would be my favorite course in the country. You know, maybe just some sentimentality there. I, I feel like it was the very first golf course that I played that was really, really good. Sorry, I'm on my front porch and there's a car 
or going up here. Um, <laughs> Great time. I, I, I love, I love Jasper Park. I love Cabot too, but I'll tell you the one that I'm really pleased that has made its way onto the list this year for the top 59 for the first year. And I think it's really just because it, it finally met that minimum number of votes requirement is talking rock in chase BC. So in the interior of BC, um, not too far from Tobiano, which some people might recognize that course a little bit more, just a sensational golf course, a sensational story. Donna First Nation on Little Shuswap Lake. Um, it's just a lot of pride on that nation of about the golf course, and it's fantastic. It really is. It's like a Jasper Park light. And if anybody's listening who is going to the interior of BC and is looking for a hidden gem, I highly recommend Talking Rock. I love that. Uh, great, great name for the course. And I don't, I don't think that was a car alarm. I think that was just a guy who's played out there as well. It's like, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> love it. Attaboy, Jason. Uh, pump, pump on board. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just saying yeah. uh, the last one of these that I, I got out to play a couple summers ago, I got up to Perry Sound, got to play number 43, Sagan Valley. I, I had a blast out there. And, yeah, I just I, – we'll, we'll move on now. But I, uh, I just want to commend you on this, this job you did. You know, you mentioned the rollout last year. It was a, uh, it was a great move on your part because I can say there were several uh, text groups that were, that were hot talking every Monday or whatever day it was that you guys came out with yeah. the list. Oh, have you played this? What about this here? So, it, honestly, it, w- it was a great job. We will uh, we'll definitely have you back on with the uh, 59 public courses. So hold on. My co-host has something he wants to jump in on here. Go ahead, McKee. Well, I, I just think it's like I, I got to play Lookout Point the other day, and I know that that's on your top 100 courses, and I just feel like kind of saying what Gunner said there. You know, it, it gives guys like uh, people who play golf just the prestige of being like, oh, it's a top 100 course. You know, it, it just it adds like a little little juice to it. So I don't really have a question. Just uh, I love that that it gives people who just play golf the ability to say, oh, I've played a top 100 score golf. I, I love that, Jason. Yeah, it's you know we've always said that the top 100 specifically is not necessarily a course guy, but there's no doubt that it does become this bucket list ambition. And um, I don't know if you guys read this, but last summer in the top 100 column that I wrote for the magazine, I actually got a chance to chat with Kyle Dubas about it. And I mean, uh, you know, it's published material that, so he's not going to get upset if I say this, but uh, he's a big top 100 guy too. And him and his buddies, they have a spreadsheet and they compare like who can knock off the most courses and, you know, it's a years long thing and you know, Kyle's such a numbers guy as we all know. He's he's in there, he's got Y access and X access, you know, the courses and the dates and all the different <laughs> No guys. cap and, space. Oh, wrong show. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have they don't cap a limit on that. And then uh but that's you see that uh with groups uh, all over the country, guys saying like, you know, which one yeah. of us has played the most courses on the list. So it's great stuff. I think I think the only the only problem is twelve. <laughs> yeah, I've got I, I have a list. I've written down all of the top hundreds I've played. I have a list of every golf course I've ever played because I'm a huge nerd like that. I don't think I'm quite a 12, but I'm, I'm creeping into that double digit mark. And, and Jason, you've given us that nugget. You know, uh, Sam McKee, in addition to being the tremendous co-host of this program, is also our producer. And I feel like now he has to track down Kyle Dubas. We've got to get his, uh, his golf takes from him. Oh, yeah. uh, before before we let you go, I, I do want to ask you just about, yeah. you know, Canadian golf has, has been having a moment. You know, you could tie it into mm-hmm. the pandemic last year and everyone getting out and playing and new people being welcome to the game. If you want to go as far back as Brooke Henderson winning the Canadian Open a few years ago, you could tie it all into that. You have the men who are playing so well. 
and now we have an Olympic Games. And albeit this Olympics feels like it's not even happening, kind of, to, to a general sports fan. If we could have just, just one of those Canadians, of course, Elena Sharp there as well, bring home a medal. It just feels like it would just be an even bigger boost to the game in this country that it's already getting. Yeah, and as we talk, I mean, Adam Hadwin, who's had a who's had a very down year by his standards as he goes through swing changes, is leading the tournament, sharing the lead in Minnesota. And Roger Sloan, his buddy from BC, is one shot back. So, I mean, all the attention is on Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes for what they've done in the majors and for what's coming with the Olympics. But then you got these two guys who, you know, maybe they they one of them brings home a trophy. So, uh, I think. Listen, I agree with you. Like, this Olympics is a very, very weird Olympics. And on the men's side, there's obviously been a lot of players who haven't bothered to go to the Olympics, whether it was in Brazil because of Zika, but it was really because they just didn't want to go and play before the FedEx Cup. And now this time around with COVID-19. But, I mean, listen, it's funny because we think about Olympic golf and we think about Brooke Henderson and, you know, our focus sort of goes, well, she's the best chance for a medal, but is she really? I mean, with Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors playing as well as they have and with, you know, Brooke Henderson not having her greatest season, I mean, I think I'm inclined to think that Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes might have the best chance of bringing it home in medal, especially because the men's field is not as deep as the women's. So, but le- legitimately three medal shots over there with Elena Sharp having an outside chance and what a tremendous thing that would be because we all know how special it is when a Canadian wins an Olympic medal. Yeah, here, here, Jason, and, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't have let it slip that you have that 59 uh, value uh, list coming up because you just booked yourself another hit uh, on the golf show. We'll be bugging you next month uh, to talk about <laughs> no that problem. for sure. Uh, Jason, I always it. love uh, getting to talk with you. Uh, maybe one day we'll be able to get out and uh, swing the sticks together. Thanks so much for the time. Maybe you can give Thank me a job guys. as a course ranker. <laughs> That's really oh, yeah. what he's there's, asking. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of applications in a, in a folder in my email <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Uh, we'll right, we'll talk to Thank you down you. the line. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. So long. There he goes. Jason Logan, uh, score golf. Love getting to talk to him there. These lists are catnip to us. I'm, uh, I, I've, so, I, it's funny. I keep my own top hundred, like of the top hundred. And then they do last year when they did the top hundred, they did a 140 as well. Really, I'll be honest. My own ranking is just because uh, cut and fields, which we love out in Guelph. It is a top 140. Oh. And I'm like, no, we got to bump that up. That's got to be top hundred. Don't care. So, <laughs> I was looking at it as you guys were talking there, and I've done three in the top 10, and I'm at 12 courses on the top 100, which I think is pretty good. So three Hamilton, in the top 10, Hamilton, and 12. Cabot. What's the third? And in the Devil's top Paintbrush. Two? Ah, yes, of course. Devil's Paintbrush, which is the other course. We got to bug our boy, John McCarthy, to get out to the Paintbrush because you played the Pulpit last year, yep. which is an incredible course. But the Paintbrush, it really is that much better. It's just so unique. It's one of the weirdest courses in the world. It's so sweet. So you got to get out there to play that one. And I'm looking at the other ones. That, but I got I knocked another one off the list. Two off the list in the last three weeks. Jeez, I got to play Predator uh, Ridge, the uh, Predator course, and then I got to play uh, Lookout Point. Like I said to, um, like I said to Jason, that's out. I wanted to keep calling him Justin. Justin, Jason. Um, there's, uh, yeah, Lookout Point out in Niagara. So there you go. Good, good for you. Uh, I loved your picture at Lookout Point. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit next. Uh, me, I have played seven mm. in the top 108 if we're uh, bumping it up to 140 with uh, the lovely Cutting Fields in, in Guelph. Boy, uh, what, a, what a special place that was uh, to, to get out there. Uh, look, if you have a place you've played, be it in the top 100, be it in the top 59, let us know on the text line. Of course, we're also uh, taking submissions. For what lets you know you're at a course just way too fancy for someone like yourself, let us know. Uh, somebody's texted something after my own heart on the text line. 
I'll read that. We'll say what ours is yeah, next. Wrap up that. the golf show. Kick around the Olympic odds. Lots to do and only a little bit of time left here on the golf show on Sportsnet 5.9 and the fan. Sportsnet 5.9, the fan. Text line open. Name and location. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee with you for uh, about five more minutes time. McKee, next time we're doing a show, the Olympic golf event will be deep in its throes. The uh, men's version anyways, they get going on Wednesday. At some point in time, uh, we were trying to do math, which is always dicey. There was a lot of smoke and swearing involved uh, when, when that happened, at least on my end anyways. Ears are smoking and swearing's coming out of my mouth anytime I try to do math. I believe these events are going to be taking place, the golf anyways, uh, overnight. So I don't know how much of it uh, you'll be able to catch. But, uh, hey, Olympic replay is a wonderful thing, and I think we have it on uh, all of our uh, lovely, lovely platforms. So the Olympic golf is uh, something we'll look at next week. But right now we want to talk about just what what lets you know you're at a club that's a little too fancy for yourself. Now, what got us talking about this, McKee? You just mentioned it. What was the lovely what was the lovely top 100 you, you played out down in Niagara? Well, I played – I played Lookout Point, which uh, my great uncle Don is a member at, and it's a it's a fancy spot, buddy. Holy, it's a really sweet course, <laughs> but it's it's incredibly unique, hilly, crazy greens, uh, really wild sort of undulation on the greens. Loved it, but when you walked in, there was a big old fancy clock, and doesn't that immediately make you feel like you're at somewhere nice, Gunner? A nice big clock had the nice Lookout Point in gold lettering on the black clock it was like oh baby so that's that's definitely a telltale sign but uh, i'll let you get in here but there's another thing that i really notice when i go to a nice course so i'll let you go and then come back to me that the clock is the biggest signifier it slaps you in the face it really is this this is a place of old golf we have been doing it for a long yes. time or at least we will pretend we have been uh, it just weeks. <laughs> yeah. it slaps you when we were lucky enough to tee it up at hamilton that one jumped out to me now the other one, oh, now yeah. this is at, like, the uber fancy. When you get okay. to the driving range and they've got the balls in the little triangle there, oh, baby, do you <laughs> feel like a tour pro or what? They're just set up there. They're perched perfectly so, all these beautiful pearls just waiting to be shanked and scuffed and sliced. <laughs> that lets me know that I am in a course way too fancy for me. Also, I would, when we were playing at Hamilton, somebody was refilling the kind of set of balls beside me, and I was a little disappointed. I was like, oh, yeah, of course there's, like, a guide. They just pour it into a thing. There's a cone. And triangle. <laughs> I pictured a guy sitting there painstakingly like it's 1922, just – one ball, two balls, slowly building uh, the pyramid there. So uh, that that's another uh, signifier for me. Uh, then on the text line, had to had to mention this. When the food is amazing, most golf courses have some pretty good food. Mm. You had a lovely, uh, what was it, a chicken Caesar wrap at a, at a place we were at. Oh, we got paired up with the Johns on uh, our our new uh, John. friends, John and John, that we played with on Tuesday. All golf courses have good food, or most do, anyways. But when you just get some truly, truly, like, special, just that gourmet, oh, it just lets you know that this place is way too nice. And somebody hit us up on the text line mentioning Copper Creek. Of course, we shot our Golf Guys videos there, and our boy John at Copper Creek hooked us up with one of the most tremendous flatbreads. Hey, do you guys, leaving a course and hearing, hey, do you guys like prosciutto? Oh, yeah, that, that works for me. <laughs> uh, that's how you know it was going to be amazing. So right. if the food's good, that's the one for me. You got anything else? 
Yeah, I got one. Uh, and I this was at when I played Devil's Pulpit for the first time with Ben Ennis. Um, my, I, I took full advantage of the facilities. They had like a hot shower, Ooh. and then I came out of the shower, and they had like disposable toothbrush, mouthwash, hair gel. And I just came out of there looking like a million bucks. I had my hair gelled. I was brushed my teeth, put on some deodorant. Like, I was loving life. So a full facility is where I love it. I'm really happy you clarified that that's at the golf course. Otherwise, people would think you're homeless. You're like, I got to shower. I got to brush my teeth. It's amazing. What a time to be alive. They think you were living in one of those parks in Toronto. Whoa, whoa, we're not going to go there. Uh, fun, fun golf show today. Hopefully, we're talking about an Adam Hadwin or a Roger Sloan win next week. And some Canadians off to a hot start. Men's golf event gets going in Tokyo on Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday. Somewhere in the 48-hour span because I don't understand <laughs> how clocks work and, and the time difference over in Tokyo. Golf show with Brent Gutting and Sam McKee is done. We've got Sportsnet today next.